Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, wow, it, it has been a really busy, busy, busy time. You know, but like most of the year, I think, okay, well, football season, so like you start beginning of August through the end of basketball season like March, that's, that's like my work season. Then the off season, things are pretty relaxed. But during that work season, there's like a one-month stretch where there's Buffs basketball and there's Buffs football. And when that's the case, there just isn't time to do anything but think about CU, Um, which, thank God, Colorado beat Oregon State on Saturday. And thank God the Buffs pulled out the, uh, the overtime win against Montana State last night because, you know, it's, it's always tough to go through a Buffs loss week, um, but when they both lose and everything is sad, oof, that, that can be a dark place that throws you. Um, but yeah, here we are. It's Wednesday. Um, today we're going to talk about, honestly, whatever comes to mind. Um, I was thinking about it, and I was like, well, what, do we, what is there to talk about football-wise? I think that we, we need to talk about the UCLA game and some of the stuff that's that's kind of on the line you know I had a chance yesterday just while I was waiting to do some interviews just talking with Jalen Sami um he was just talking about some different things like when when everybody rushed the field there's a guy who was asking like can my daughter have your gloves and he said no I wish I could give them to you but they're like the only 4XL gloves that we have in this program um 4XL hands crazy but we were talking about that stuff he also mentioned, like, that, I mean, it's late in the season. His body's getting beat up. Um, it, it, it hurts to be alive late in the season when you're a defensive lineman. Um, now I said, like, well, you know, you got three games left and then whatever. And he said, well, hopefully there's more. And, and there's been a couple of those conversations that I've had. Um, and he didn't use the word hopefully. I want to make sure I make that clear. He, he said, like, no, we're we're trying to make sure there's more, um, some something more assertive than hopefully, um, just because I think that that could get misconstrued. But um, yeah, the 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 thoughts within the program are not on, like, can we steal a win on the way out? Can we keep these games competitive? They want to go to a bowl game, and oh, here's <laughs> here's another thing that happened. Um, so last night 
after that basketball game, obviously we do the post-game show, and that got done a little bit after one, and then I have to write about the game, and then all of a sudden it is ridiculously late, and I'm laying in bed, and I'm thinking, huh, I wonder if I should make a bet on Colorado to win the, the Pac-12 in basketball. And so I, uh, I scroll through, I'm, I'm just looking through the app, um, the DraftKings Sportsbook app, of course, and I see that they're plus 100,000 to win the Pac-12 championship game. And so my thought was, well, you know, there's, there's a chance that they're that good. You know, you, you have a bunch of young talent that I think showed promising things last night. Um, there are obviously some flaws. Um, the fact that Evan Batty can kind of score at will, or at least could last night, is a development. But plus 100,000. And so I was like, well, you know what? It's it's a full season. Um, on top of that, like it's a, it's a tournament at the end. Like even if you're not that good of a team, even if you get in there and you're the eight seed, win four games and you my bet hits. I was like plus a hundred thousand. You never pass that up. Um, and so I'll tell you, I, I put thirty four dollars on it. I thought okay, thirty four. That's a because there's there's like a. F- my account ended in a four, and I always like round up to make sure I have an even number. But but I was like, okay, thirty four dollars. That's a good season long bet. Um, just something to have in your back pocket. And if things work out, because I think they might, that's great. And and that would pay thirty four thousand um, dollars, which is, I I mean to anybody a huge amount of money, but to me specifically a very large amount of money. Um, and and I probably wouldn't have bet as much if the odds weren't that good. And then I finished the bet and see that I bet on college football. So that was pretty brutal. So now so now if if the Buffs I think they have to go 3 and 0 in their last 3 games to and then you need Utah to um, go 0 and 3. So they they obviously one of those games is against Colorado, so they'd have to lose that one. Um, they play Oregon which they'd have to lose and this weekend I think they they have is it like Oregon State or something? Um, and then I think Arizona State would need another loss, or, or no? If Arizona, yeah, Arizona State would need another loss, and then it would depend on tiebreakers, and they might need two losses. But the point is, I made a dumb bet because I was really, really tired, and I thought that I had just found the best bet on the entire app: Colorado to win the basketball title at plus one hundred thousand. That's ridiculous. Turns out it's actually plus two thousand. I got it's. I wanted 50 times as much money as they're actually offering. Um, but who knows? So I'm literally bought in. Um, I can't... There's no cash in that bet out. There's there's no nothing. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. That was my nice fun little slip-up. The point is, though... They are technically alive, not only for bowl eligibility, for but for uh, uh, the the championship game. Technically, at plus one hundred thousand odds, which is what a thousand to one. Yeah, a thousand to one. Um, you bet a dollar, you win a thousand dollars. But I, I wanted to my my point here, and this is what I want to talk about is just that right now I'm not I'm I know I was just talking about the Buffs making a bowl game. We aren't quite there yet, but you beat UCLA and you're absolutely there. Then all of a sudden, you know, the goal coming into the season was to win the Pac-12 championship, and that's what it is every year, at least inside the program. To those of us on the outside, it's, yeah, see if you can win your six games and, and go to a bowl game and then build from there. 
And right now, I mean, it's technically on the table. It doesn't really feel like it because they're 17-point underdogs this week. Um, if you win this game, though, it's in front of you. It's in front of you. Then you need to go 2-0. and You're playing a Washington team that is not impressive, um, and that's a home game. And uh, again, my Montana Grizzlies beat the hell out of those guys. Well, I mean, they beat them by three. But if you watch, they, out, they were more physical. They were just so much better at football. Um, and So that's absolutely a winnable game. The Utah game on the road at the end of the year, that's going to be a really, really, really tough game. But, I mean, you're if, if you have five wins going into the last week of the season, considering everything that's happened this year, you're in good shape. And you are playing for bowl eligibility, and it takes one good win to get there. Um, and all of that stuff is in front of the, the buffs if they can pull off this upset this week against UCLA. Um, you know, it's actually very similar to where the Broncos were last week. It's like, okay, I mean, you, you want to... You want to be a playoff team. Sounds great, but you're going to have to do something pretty crazy at some point to make it happen. Um, and if you lose to, to Dallas, then you've got to beat the Eagles to go into the bye week 5-5. Five and five. But you beat the Cowboys, all of a sudden you're sitting here at 5-4 and four, just outside the playoffs, and you've got the Eagles on deck. You're going to have teams in the conference knocking each other off. You are alive. It is time to be talking playoffs for the Broncos in the way that it will be time to be talking bowl game for the Buffs if they beat UCLA. Um, again, the, the odds are against them, obviously. They're they're 17-point underdogs. Um, personally, I I like the Buffs. I like the Buffs, especially like with those points. But to, if you want to bet on the Buffs pulling off the actual upset, I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. Um, and here's why, which side do you start? Let's start with UCLA. Let's start with UCLA. You know, we've seen a lot of Dorian Thompson Robinson over the last few years. Um, he's a good quarterback. He will be the, the fourth, fifth best quarterback in the PAC 12 this year. Um, he's not going to be one or two though. He's just not that guy. He's another one of these PAC 12 quarterbacks where it feels like they, they show up and you're like, Wow. How is this guy this good as a freshman? This is there's there's an NFL future here. Then three years later, you're saying this is the exact same player that we saw three years ago. How does he not get any better? You know, obviously Stephen Montez kind of falls into that category. Um, Jaden Daniels down at Arizona State also falls into that category. Um, but that's DTR. That's DTR, and he's cut down on the turnovers for the most part this season there's that passing attack doesn't scare me all that much. You know, they've got a good tight end. They've, they've got a a good little slot receiver. Um, it's a solid passing attack. It's probably in the top half of the pac 12, but it's not something you look at and say, Oh no, how do we defend that? The running game on the other hand, it's a little more concerning. Um, they uh they've got those two really big backs Zach Charbonnet Britton Brown and they just want to bully you um the just big physical I mean let's pull this up Zach Charbonnet is listed six one two twenty he's the transfer from Michigan they've got Britton Brown six one two oh five they want to run downhill and they're good at it um they've put up some big numbers before however they just played Utah last week. And they couldn't get much going on the ground because Utah is just a good 
well-coached defense that has some size um, and, and some strength, and they're they're able to to hit these running backs and not give up extra yards. Um, that's going to be the challenge for this Buffs defense this week, though, is likely without Nate Landman. That that was kind of the one big note from Carl Durrell today was that um, he's, he's doubtful again this week. It's unlikely. He did say Nate's kind of been negotiating, trying to convince him to let him play. Um, but without Nate Landman, you know, Quinn Perry, can he, can he line these guys up and stop them in their, in, in their tracks? Jack Lamb, Marvin Ham, Robert Barnes, like you need these linebackers to, to show something this week. And I think that defensively, that's what this game is going to come down to. I think that this pass rush keeps getting better. I think these defensive linemen are really starting to gel. Um, I think the secondary, even though you're patching some holes at this point with some very young players, those young players look pretty good. This is going to come down to the heart of that defense and these linebackers. And this is going to be pretty telling, not just for, for this season and what what's possible um, over the last three weeks here, it's also going to be really, really big for what we expect from this group next year. You know, Nate Landman will not be around next year. He might come back this week or next week or the week after or for a potential bowl game. Who knows? But what we do know is he absolutely will not be out there on the field next season. And that means these guys need to step up. And if they don't, they, it's going to really suck. It's going to really suck if they don't. Um, and th- this, to me is a really, really, really big test. Um, they they handled Oregon State all right. They've got a good running attack. They still put up, I think it was like 220 rushing yards, but there were, there were more stops in there than it would sound like. Quinn Perry in particular played a very good game, and that was fun to see. Um, this, this is a different beast, though. This is a UCLA team that was able to impose its will on LSU. Um you know, beat a beat a very stout Stanford team. Um, played a good game against Oregon, so that uh, uh, that side of the ball, those are my concerns. Um, it's it's gonna start and end with the linebackers. Can you beat these running backs up, or are they gonna be running all over this defense? And I think that either one is possible. I I I. 17 points is a lot for for a spread and that's what I'll say. I I feel good about it if I'm a Buffs fan. Um then on the other side of the ball, I think that's probably the bigger question mark. Um and and it's not because the UCLA defense is all that good. Um the the only teams that they've held under 30 points this season are Hawaii, uh actually LSU they held to 27. Um Stanford at 24, you have Arizona at 16, Washington at 17. Colorado shouldn't have too much trouble breaking 20. Um, whether they can break 30, I think, is kind of the question here because I do think that that's probably the number that you're going to see that offense put up because it is a good offense. You know, they've got a really good running game. They've got a good passing attack. They're probably going to get to 30, 31, 34 points, something right in there. The offense is going to need potentially a high watermark for the season. Um, maybe not quite that much, but but pretty close to it. 
again, I this UCLA defense, like I said, there's there's nothing special. They've got some good safeties. The Quinton Lake is he's been one of my favorite players to watch in the Pac-12 for a couple of years. Um, o- Otito Ogbenaya, he and Oso Digazua last year made a great duo. Oso's now with the Cowboys, and uh, now you've got Ogbenaya there all alone. It's a really good defensive lineman, but there's 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 a drop off. After you look through the the top end of this defense, and I think that there's points out there. You know, I think there's potential for Jarek to run all over him. We know what he did to this defense last year. Um, the passing attack. I think that there's there's something to the idea that Brendan is still sort of unscouted, not totally unscouted because you see him for a couple games. But the fact that he really didn't have any success up until a couple of weeks ago means that there's only a couple of weeks' worth of tape that these defensive coordinators are digging into and saying, oh, this is what he does well. I think that makes it a little bit tougher on a defense. So, I mean, if you shouldn't just pick UCLA to lose this game, probably. But what's DraftKings offering? Something like 4-1 to one odds? I like, I like that bet. I like that bet. And 17 points? I really like the Colorado side of that bet. And if they're able to pull it off, then then we'll have a lot of fun on Saturday. Um, oh, it's just so much fun. Because, again, this is this is kind of the game that's that's the key to opening up the rest of your season. Um, and, and they had to work hard to get to this point. You know, they, they lost to, Ari- or to Oregon, but you have those wins against Arizona – you have the win against Oregon State, and now all of a sudden you're you're feeling like you have a path to win. Maybe not every game, but quite a few games, um, at least a path. I'm not saying you're expecting to win, but that's that's where I'm at mentally heading into this game. In case anybody was curious, I mean, if you weren't curious, what are you doing here? Um, but yeah, it's a big week. It's going to be a lot of fun. And actually, I had a chance to talk to Mustafa Johnson today. Maybe we'll talk about that more tomorrow um, after I get a couple. Oh, no. Today was Wednesday. Those were the last interviews. Who did I talk to yesterday? Oh, I talked to Kalen Moore yesterday. Um, he was excited to be playing football. Uh, so was Mustafa, honestly. But, uh, yeah, let's let's leave it at that for now. Um, I want to remind you guys how much we appreciate Breckenridge Brewery, how much they do for us. So many great beers. If you haven't checked them out yet, you're making a mistake. Um, you've got the Avalanche Amber Ale. You've got the Strawberry Sky. You've got the Vanilla Porter Jr. So many good beers. Just just pay attention to them. They're, they're really good. And the seltzers are good too. Check them out because they're great people. It's a local company that has has found a way to sell their beers on a national scale. And you know we we support the the people from Colorado here in Colorado. Um, also, snooze sleep. So snooze. What is snooze? Um, I guess it's a button you can hit on your alarm clock. But it's also the the mattress brand. It's uh they they make the snooze flip, which is one of the most universal mattresses on the planet. Uh, you can customize your sleep experience to fit your needs. They've got a soft side and then a firm side. Uh, you can flip it to whichever side you like better. 
Um, they have a cover for it that's also reversible, and the the one side of it makes the bed five degrees cooler, and then the other side makes it cozy and warm. The it's it's super easy, and because you have all these different things, it's basically a four in one mattress. And if your preferences change, obviously you can change the, your mattress with you. Super convenient. Uh, don't stress about shopping through hundreds of beds online. Just use that snooze flip. They've got all those features, and they'll ship it straight to your door. Um, it also expands very fast. The same day that you get your mattress, you can sleep on it. Um, yeah, they you, you can see it on uh, Discovery Channel. All sorts of great stuff. But uh, if, if you guys are looking for a new mattress, this is the place to go. Um, definitely check it out. Um, and if you use the code DNVR, you'll get $250 off of a mattress. You'll also get $250 off the adjustable base. So those are great deals. Um, I think uh, that's $500 if it's a queen bed. If it's a dual split king, the savings are $1,000 with the adjustable base. Um, just head over to the snoozesleep.com and grab your snooze flip mattress today. Uh, snoozeflip.com, just they'll, they'll deliver it straight to your door. It's good stuff. All right. I don't know what just, my, my throat just got very, it's not in good shape. I don't know why. Just in like these last couple minutes I've been sitting here. Um, yeah, but, uh, oh yeah, I want to talk more about basketball. And, and first of all, I want to tell you guys that we've got some really cool stuff coming for Paradise Jam. Um, I won't be out there. I really considered going out there, but, uh, we decided not to. Obviously, Colorado State is also in this tournament that starts, is that next Friday? Yeah, that's next Friday. And there will be games, assuming the Buffs win, which is a big assumption, Friday, and then they'll play again Sunday, and then they'll play in championship on Monday. So it's like a fun little weekend right there. And they're in the Virgin Islands. With the Rams going to be playing in that tournament as well, we're going to be doing some live shows uh, before the tournament. We've got a couple planned for during the tournament. We're going to do a recap. We're going to do all sorts of fun stuff. We're going to do. We're going to make picks. We're going to break down the games. Um, we're going to play games of our own. We're going to make some bets. We're going to try to win some money on this thing. We'll have a leaderboard to track who can make the most money. And there's a very real chance. I think. I think that if you look at the buff side of the bracket. I don't know what changes after last night, but but before last night, you would say, hey, Colorado should get through to this championship game. You look at the other side, and you're like, okay, Colorado State or Creighton. There's a real chance that we're going to get a Rocky Mountain showdown out in paradise that Monday night, and you just know how much fun we're going to be having on a pregame, postgame show. Uh, so if you guys are planning on tuning into the tournament, honestly, our plan is just to watch that whole tournament. Um, watch every game, talk about all the games, make some money on the games. Just come hang out with us, and we'll we'll have more details later on. But before that, there's a big game on Saturday. It's not a game that uh, I'd considered a big game previously, but, you know, when you go to overtime with Montana State, the game against New Mexico gets a little bit scarier. Again, Colorado should win this game, and I think that there's a lot to like about... Uh, just how Colorado is built in terms of this matchup. You know, New Mexico, I actually don't know if they played. No, they haven't played yet. 
but they're not they're not as big. They're I mean, you look at what Evan Batty was able to do when he was on the floor last night, and it's just still kind of hitting me. But 16 points in 21 minutes, and that's with him missing those two free throws at the end. It really should have been 18 and 21. When you have a player who's putting up that close to a point per minute in college basketball, you've got to be really excited. I wonder if I haven't been giving enough credit to Evan Batty and his ability to score. I think that, you know what, he put up just over 10 points per game last season. And I thought, yeah, you know what, I know that this is his team now. I know that he he will have, be more of a focal point just because there aren't so many options around him. You know, you don't have a Deshaun Schwartz who's a guy who's just like, yeah, go go get him four or five shots a game minimum. And hopefully a lot more than that. Um McKinley, all these guys, I still said, yeah, his game just doesn't really mesh with the idea that you, you want him to be a higher usage player. You want him taking more shots. And I think after last night, I want to rethink that. Now, again, there is the caveat that it's Montana State and it's not you know UCLA that he did that against. But... I do think that you expect a bigger bump in the points this season than I, I predicted previously. I think that you do expect maybe 14, 15 points per game. But then you say that and remember, well, yeah, it was 16 points in 21 minutes. He didn't play nearly as much as he typically would because of the foul trouble. If he didn't have foul trouble, he probably would have had 25 points. And then you remember, well, he, he could have foul trouble quite a bit. And I think that that's something that I am a lot more nervous about now than I was coming into the season because he's, you need him. You really, really need him. And you need him to, to do all sorts of different things, including scoring the post. And, and we'll see if he really can be that efficient down in the paint because he was good last year, obviously. I think he... He shot just under 50% from the field. Um, the year before, he shot like 52% from the field. And, you know, a lot of those shots are coming right at the rim, some hook shots. But, you know, we saw in the Nebraska game that those weren't falling for him. It was 0 for 10. Um, the Mines game, I don't think he played that great either. But last night, he was so sharp. Everything he put up just went in so easily. And he did have probably a size advantage more often than he's going to have in Pac-12 play. He's a veteran. He should be able to pick apart a team like that. But there's a real chance that you can feed him a, a, the ball pretty regularly. You know, turning turn him into a higher usage player and still get that 50% plus out of him. I think that that's probably the number that you're looking for this year. You know, it's something that you talk about with like Dame, Damian Lillard sometimes, um, or like Steph Curry, those guys where if they're shooting above 40%, honestly, they're kind of doing something wrong. Like if Damian Lillard is shooting 42% from three, you want him to shoot more threes. You know, that, that just means, okay, well now you start taking more 26 footers and if those go in, okay, we'll take more 28 footers, 34. Just keep expanding that range. Keep taking tougher shots because that is, that is somebody who can put up a lot of points and do it efficiently from deep. 
And when you have that high volume type of player, you almost want to take so many shots that the efficiency just just starts to to decrease to make sure you're totally getting everything you can out of that player. Um, even if it means you take just a tiny little hit on the back end, it means it drops you down from 42% to 40%. Um, and I think that maybe that's how you, how you look at Evan Batty. You know, I think that he's hovered around that 50% field goal percentage for, for his entire career, really. I think that that's what you look at and say, if you're shooting 60%, you're probably not taking enough shots. I think that there's something to be said about that with Keyshawn and his threes as well. Um, maybe 40% isn't the number, but you know he goes three for three last night. You love to see it because he's perfect from deep, all that sort of stuff. But a part of you has to think, you know, when this offense is stalling like it did at times, you know, those three for three, a couple of them were with a hand in his face. Having him just take a shot instead of saying, hey, Tristan De Silva, try to try to cook something up over there. It's 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 appealing. It's appealing. And I think that you just kind of have to look for those players when you're on a team like this and say, hey, maybe everything isn't about playing within the offense. Um, maybe sometimes you do say, this is somebody who can put the ball in the hoop at a decent clip. Let's get him more touches until the clip isn't quite so decent as crazy as that sounds um so I had that thought I know that Ryan's super in on Dominique Clifford I'm not gonna dig in too deep there just because he's I'm gonna get him on here sometime soon to just share his own thoughts um I thought is there anything else worth talking about from last night I know we covered a lot of it in the post game show honestly the one thing that's really concerning me at this point is the defense I think there's definitely going to be stretches where the offense struggles to score the ball, but that defense and its inability to get stops, and, and when they did get stops, they, they gave up too many offensive rebounds. That part of things is a little concerning, and, and it's not surprising, although I probably didn't account for it enough when thinking about how this season was going to go because it's a young team. Young teams are going to struggle defensively, regardless of how talented they are, regardless of Tad Boyle being a coach who can get just about anybody to defend. It just takes time. It just takes time. And when you're going up against all those veterans they were going up against last night, it's tough. And I think that, you know, it's easy to look at, you know, I think CBS Sports puts out their ranking of, is it 364 Division One basketball teams, 354, something like that. They'll just rank them all one to whatever. And it's easy to say, well, this team was ranked in the 250s or whatever. Colorado ranked, what I think they were 60th or something like that. They should be able to, to, to knock these guys off for sure. And, you know, when the gap is that wide, yes, that is true. But you have to take into account the matchups. And I think that this Colorado team, the one thing you don't want to see is a veteran team. Just because those veteran teams are so strong. You're going up against guys who, first of all, are just straight up three years older than a lot of the guys on CU's roster. And a 22-year-old versus a 19-year-old, there's going to be some pretty major differences. But on top of that, they've been in strength programs for that long. They're physical they're going to be able to push these guys around a little bit. And that's the kind of team that Montana State was. And again, they should have still been able to beat them by not going to overtime. But 
that is a tough matchup just because it was such an, an old, strong team. And on top of just like the physical strength, you have things like the the senses, the patience to to realize that you know Jabari Walker might be a little bit quick to try to go block a shot. So you pump fake and get him up in the air. Or you make the little pass in behind him and somebody else has a wide open layup. Um, just just things like that that veterans, people who have played years and years and years more basketball, they'll they'll be able to beat you with. Um, you know, it's just when, when things get chaotic and Colorado's dribbling the ball off the leg and out on the break and somebody mishandles it and then the next possession's a dunk and then the next possession, somebody mishandles it. The next possession, somebody knocks down a three. You know, it's just back and forth between something where you're like, wow, look at the talent and oh no, what were you thinking? When you start playing that way against other young teams, it's the both teams are kind of going to go down that path. You can suck another team down. But when you're going up against veterans, they know how to avoid those things. They know how to slow things down, to be patient, make sure they're taking care of the ball, um, and, and just realize when it's time to emphasize taking care of the ball. And not necessarily just because there's there's two minutes on the clock, you've got a two-point lead. You know in that situation you got to take care of the ball. But also, when you realize, hey, we've just given up a 6-0 a to zero run, and it's because we had a turnover and because we missed an offensive rebound. Or, yeah, we gave up an offensive rebound. And we've been playing really fast, sprinting up the court. Just slow things down for a minute. See if you can just get a good possession. It's just a feel for those sorts of things that, honestly, by the end of the year, Colorado might have. You know, you're not going to make up for the difference in strength between guys their age and the other team's age in that time. But there are other things that will work out a little bit better and then even individual skills too you know Lawson Lovering last night he didn't look like a dominant post player he you can make the case he didn't even look like a good post player um but at the same time we all know the 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 talent that he has and just the physical traits that he has and how those two things can work together to make him a really great player at some point, he's going to put the pieces together. I do really, really, really believe that. Um, it's just a matter of time. And that part of it isn't fun, the waiting. But some of those possessions last night, if he just slows down, if he remembers that he's five inches taller, it's not. you don't have to lob it way up in the air because the guy isn't going to be able to block it, Lawson. You're, you're massive. So it just takes time. And I think seeing it on film is really going to help him. I think he's somebody who can learn a lot from just seeing what it looks like. Because I think I think we can look at Lawson and see that parts of his game are are, are awkward. Because of course they are, because he's an 18-year-old, or maybe he just turned 19, and he's 7 feet tall and has long-ass arms. Like, getting all that stuff coordinated, getting yourself polished so that you look like Nikola Jokic or whatever out there, it's going to take some time. And just seeing that, Oh yeah, I could I could probably stand up a little bit straighter. You know, when when they're playing through me in the post, I can I can hold that ball up a little bit higher over my head because nobody's going to be able to go up and get that. And if they do, we'll step through, get to the rim. And if I get that ball up there, it opens up so many more passing angles. You know, I think that that's probably my big thing with Lawson right now is he just doesn't play as big as he's capable of. He can he can hunch a little bit. 
And I think that when he turns on the tape, he can see a little bit of that hunch and say, okay, this is what the coaches are talking about when they say play big, puff your chest out, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, and then with the footwork too, and the, the patience, realizing that, I, I, yeah, it, you know where this is going, but there's just so many of those little things and each player has individual things to work on. There's this team vibe. Like again, what is this team's identity? I think it's easy to say it's going to be defense and rebounding. That's what Neek said when I asked him. And then you go watch him play. And it's like, oh, the kid who's most locked in on defense and is six foot six and pulled in nine boards. Now he says defense and rebounding. Big surprise there. Again, it's Tad Boyle's program. That's what he wants it to be. This year, that defense isn't going to be good enough to carry him to the NCAA tournament. I don't think so. You're going to need some punch on offense. Um, so, what is that punch? It could be the three-point shooting. We saw Eli Parquet, Elijah Parquet, make that really tough one at the end, and we know that he's capable. He shot 43% from three last year on a pretty high volume. That is something that is a part of his game. Tristan De Silva has a nice form. He can knock those down. Didn't have a good game last night, but again, it's the first game of the season. We'll see how things go. Um, Jabari Walker shot over 52% last year. On, I think he was like 23 of 44 or something like that. Um, so a pretty significant volume. And, you know, you got Keyshawn out there. KJ, who had a great three that was called off on that Evan Batty being big foul. That's, some of that stuff was just brutal. Um, Evan can knock in threes too. You have so many guys who can shoot the basketball. That three-point shooting might turn out to be a significant piece of this identity. The ability to get to the rim, too. Keyshawn had some nice finishes. KJ was able to beat his guy on the edge. And I think he had one that he really finished. Um, and Neek, obviously, we saw some big things from him in that regard. Jabari, we know what he's capable of. Maybe it is. There's, there's something to the slashing. I also think playing through the post could be a big part of what this team does. We saw it a lot with Lawson. When Lawson was on the floor, he had the ball in his hands often. And they were running, honestly, very similar to the offense the Nuggets run um, with, with Jokic, where you get the ball in the high post, guys cut off him, he can hand the ball off, he can pass the ball, he can set screens, he can pass and he can roll, he can pot, he can do so many different things from that spot. And again, there's there's some technique things, you know, get that ball up a little bit higher. It's it's It feels like you got it really protected when you keep it in close to your chest and you kind of box out. But you're really limited. You can only pass in that one direction. Or, I mean, that's not true. It's like uh, probably got 90 degrees where you can pass it. Put that up above your head. You've got that full 360. And if you have somebody who's 6'8 on you, guess what? You don't have to worry about it. You can just put the ball up there. Um, and if you got somebody who's 6'11 or whatever, they reach up. They try to cause issues. Maybe you can catch them and you can beat them. Maybe you can draw a foul. Who knows? But just developing that side of things. And obviously that's something that Evan Batty can do too. That's probably the strength of his game is playing from the high post. And I say that and I think he was really nice finishing close to the rim. Some of that footwork stuff, because you know he's only gotten better. You know, his ability to, to get his own shot in the post and, and use those post moves, it, it has been good. I wonder if it's great now. I really do, because last night it looked like it. Um, but you can get him doing that in the low post. You can get him doing that in the high post. The combination of him and Lawson out there together is really intriguing because, I mean, if 
you you've got to put your tallest player on Lawson. <laughs> I think maybe he still does need to prove that he he beats anybody else. Um, and he probably does. Now that I think of it, if you put somebody six foot eight, six foot nine on him, Lawson's not going to take advantage of that the way he should. But but within within a month, within two months, other teams will be saying, hey, if Lawson Lovering's out there, we need our tallest player on him or one uh, somebody who's at least six ten. And that means that the second tallest player on the court, the second biggest guy is guarding Evan, he can bully him. And that's going to lead to some fouls just because, I mean, we know how the whistle works with Evan. We know that Evan is also susceptible to just fouling people. Like, it's not like it's all bad breaks. Um, but he, he, when he goes up against a smaller man, you know, imagine that there's somebody who's 6'7 and 200 pounds on him, 210 pounds. Yes, Evan will be able to back him down and score on him. It's also probably going to lead to some fouls. But there's just these different things with playing through the post, the ability to shoot the three, the ability to drive. I think playing through the post and the ability to shoot the three, they work hand in hand because I think these shooters are good enough that they can take the ball off one of those little passes, off a pick from a Lawson who has the ball, just drop the ball off and rub the, you know, knock the three down from there. These words aren't coming out super smoothly, but you know what I mean. Um, I like where this is going. I do like where this is going. And, again, if you want to talk about the first 30 minutes of the game last night, it's probably not a very fun conversation. If you want to talk about everything that happened after that, there is a whole lot to like. And I think that that's going to be the story of the season. It's going to be a roller coaster. Probably every game is going to be a roller coaster. If not, it might just be ugly. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe they come out against New Mexico and they've they've cleaned a bunch of things up and they're ready to just beat down an inferior opponent. We'll see. We'll see. But I'm excited. And uh, it's a big week for the Buffs. You got football game Saturday. You got basketball game Saturday. We'll be live after the basketball game talking about – or no, football game is second. We'll be live after those wrap up. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, – I'll see you guys tomorrow.